God has blessed us in our time together, I invite you to turn your attention in God's word to what may be a familiar prophecy to some, if not most of us. This prophecy comes out of Isaiah. Isaiah, the ninth chapter, is where our message is going to come from, beginning at that sixth verse. Isaiah, the ninth chapter, beginning at the sixth verse, is where our morning reading is coming from. As you turn in your copies of God's Word, if you don't have a copy, the, uh, the Scripture will be on the screen for you as well, for your convenience. For there in the sixth verse, the Word of God states, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. What I just read into your hearing is Isaiah's prophecy of a coming Messiah. Not just the Messiah, Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, coming as King. As we've been looking in this Advent season as Christ, as he is represented in the Old Testament and prophesied in the Old Testament, we, if you were with us on a few weeks ago, we looked at Christ being our prophet and how God was sending him in as, with the word of God for the people of God. So we looked at Christ represented in the Old Testament, fulfilled in the New Testament, as our prophet. On last week, we looked at he at the New Testament, realizing from the Old Testament that he is not just a prophet, but he's our great high priest. And on this Sunday, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we want to look at Jesus as king. Pray with me. So, Father, we gather in your presence. And we couldn't gather lest you've given us your mercy and your grace, to which we are grateful. Thank you so much for blessing us in this day that we may celebrate you. And as we turn our attention to you and to your word, we ask that you prepare our hearts and prepare our minds that we are receptive soil for the seed of your word. And that through your word, we might grow in our relationship with you and our relationship with others. That you may be glorified in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At one point in time in history, there at the Louvre, there was a painting that was hanging next to the Mona Lisa. It was a very different kind of painting as it was the work of Friedrich Moritz August Ritz, a German artist who depicted in the painting a chess match. And this chess match was uh, against uh, one who was personifying uh, to be personified to be as Satan or the devil with this sinister grin on his face that he was, he was winning the chess game. The chess game really is a depiction or a, a topography of life. And across the table was, was a man who obviously was in a distraught situation as he looked upon the, the game of life. 
this painting hung in the Louvre. And it caught the attention of a master chess player. The grand chess player, grand champion, had went to the Louvre to observe this particular painting, and he's looking at the painting. AG, he, AJ, he's observing it. Daniel, he's looking at, at the moves and the movements and the pieces that are on the chessboard. And then he calls the curator of the museum, and he says to them, Lee, he says, something is wrong with this painting because the painting is named Checkmate. He says, but we got to contact the artist because it is misnamed. Because it looks as though Satan has won the game. It looks as though he has prevailed. He said, but there's something wrong here because this chess master says, because I see something. And he begins to move his hands and look as he looked at the painting and, and adjusting and looked at the painting and, and adjusting in his mind. He then says, oh, I see, the, I see here that the king has one more move. I'm trying to help somebody already as we start this journey here. That no matter how grim it may look in life, you, Christmas reminds us that our king still has the last move. That, that, that's really the context of our text today because the people of God were in a distraught situation. They had vacillated and had kings that were faithful to God, and then they had kings that were unfaithful to God, and, and they were looking for relief from this ebb and flow where evil was always seeming to have the, the upper hand, that their prophet Micah came and he said, listen, the time is going to come where the true king will show up. That, that there's another move. This is not the end, he says. This is the setting that they're in, where, where they're finding themselves attacked by the Azarene, where they find themselves under the reign of the evil king Ahaz. Uh, they, they're in a difficult and dark place as a people, but a prophecy comes. A promise comes, Pablo, that tells them that God isn't finished. And anytime we get to the Christmas season, it's just a reminder that God is not finished. That in the midst of darkness, God will shine a light because he promised that he would show up. So here in the ninth chapter, in the second verse, he, he promises or prophesies that a light would come to all those who are walking in darkness. In that third verse, God reveals that his presence would be with his people. In this context, they're in a dark place. But God promises that he's going to show up. In the fourth verse of the same chapter, he promises that he's going to deliver. The time's going to come where he himself will deliver his people from their enemies. That fifth verse, the same chapter, God would tell them that they would have victory, but not just any victory, that they'd have the kind of victory where all wars would cease. And in the sixth verse of this chapter, he declares the end of the wars are going to come, and it's depending on the coming of a certain person, a royal person, the Son of God. Look what he says, for to us a child is given, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders. Don't miss this, that he's, he's going to support and bear up his own kingdom, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Not, not just anyone is coming as king, but the one who is coming as king, when you see him, when you encounter him, when he's king over your life, you'll be able to declare, Isaiah, that he is a wonderful counselor. 
Not only is he a wonderful counselor, which means really wonder, the wonder of his counsel, but he's a ruler that, that transcends human understanding. That even in a dark moment, the, the joy of Christmas is that Christ was coming to shine a light to help you not only get through what you're going through, but to counsel you as you're going through it. Uh, he's a, did I say a wonderful counselor? Not, not just any kind of counselor. He's, he's a wonderful counselor. Divine uh, divinity is on display as he, he leads and guides those who trust in him. He's not only a wonderful counselor. The other name he gives is that he's a, he's a mighty God. He has the power of God against anything that you ever go through. He has the power to deliver you. This is the king that is coming, that is prophesied by Micah, that he would come. He's the mighty God. But hold on, just in case you get this thing twisted, Sonia, we have to realize that not only he's the mighty God, but he's always been God. Uh, he, he's the everlasting Father, which means he never stopped being who he's always been. Uh, his, his leadership is always there. His reign is always there. He's the everlasting father. He is the prince of peace. But when you find yourself going through dark spaces, even in this season, in this setting, in this time, in this place in your life, where sometimes you're smiling on the outside, but on the inside you're still going through some things. You may not disclose it to everyone who's around you, but just understand there is a king who says, if you come to me, I'll give you peace. My grandfather said this way, it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. The peace the world can't give you and the world can't take away. God will, is able to give you peace. And perhaps this is the message that he is declaring to someone here as you are navigating the journey of your own personal life, that you've been living life without divine direction, and your life is declaring to you that you need the right king. That means for God to be the king of your life, you have to get off the throne of your life. Because the one who comes, the one who is prophesied here is the Son of God, our King. First thing we see here in this prophecy is that Jesus is the eternal King. He's always been the King. Don't miss this. That Jesus, the Son of God, did not become King when he's born in Bethlehem, he was born a king. Maybe let me help you understand. Uh, in a in general monarchy, in order for one to be a king, then that means the sitting king would have to die in order for them to assume the throne and be king. But notice something about this promised king who's going to come. There's none who reigned before him, and there's none who can reign after him. He is the eternal, everlasting king, which means his reign will have no end. Uh, that, that, that might be good news for some of you. I know it's good news for me, for me to realize that the Savior that I serve, the God whom, of whom I'm a part of his kingdom, that his reign has no end. Because there are some people in charge at times that will cause confusion in the land, in the community that's here in this earthly realm. There are people who are here that will make some jack Can I say jacked up on, on the stage? I'm going to say it anyway. I already said it. They're gonna make some, some jacked up, messed up decisions. But there is one who is is greater, who is always reigning, who's always in charge, and that is Jesus, our eternal King. Uh, I want you to, to realize the truth 
of the text. And so he is promised. He is promised to come in Micah. And the fulfillment of the promise is going to come in Matthew. Micah, a contemporary of Isaiah, is used by God to let us know not only will a promised king come, but where he's going to come. In Micah 5.2, he says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrath, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, for you sh- from you shall come forth to me one who is to be ruler. Some translations there say king in Israel, whose coming forth, get it, is from old. Do you see it there? It's from old to from ancient days. In other words, the kingship of our Lord and Savior has always been. That he's the creator of all. And he says, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and everything that dwell within it and all of us who are created, we belong to him. Don't miss this, that God has never stopped being in control, that Jesus has never, he hasn't abdicated the throne, that he is still on the throne, which means he still has all power and he's still in charge of everything and you can trust in his sovereignty no matter what the sight looks like, no matter what you're going through, you can trust that God is going to make a way for you because he is our everlasting king. Everlasting means his, his tenure has no end. That when others give up and when others give out, our Savior doesn't give up. Uh, not only is he the eternal, everlasting king. It's prophesied in Micah that he be born in Bethlehem. And there in the second chapter of Matthew, we see the fulfillment of the prophecy. Some of you know the Christmas story where it says in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, as prophesied, in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the earthly king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, and look what they were saying. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews. For we saw his star and we've come to worship him. It was prophesied that the king was going to come. It was fulfilled that the king had come because he has always been and should always be the eternal king. Not only is he the eternal king, but when we look at the pages of scripture, as it reveals the son of God to us in this Christmas season, as we think about what the angels herald that when upon his coming, we realize that not only is he the, he's the eternal king, but Jesus, the son of God, is the king of kings. I want you to understand that. That means then that there's nothing and no one that is more superior than Jesus. Uh, that no matter what others try to determine for your life, Uh, They cannot overthrow what God has already declared for your life. Because the person who's the king of your life sets the destiny for your life. I hope you get this. That the reflection of your future is really in who is reigning as your king. And when the son of God, Jesus Christ, is your king, he's king over everything. Oh, let me work for a moment here. Because we can declare him king, but not live as though he is king. 
But when he is your king, that means he's king over your personal decisions. He's king over your life. That means he is Lord. He does the leading. He does the declaring. And you, in obedient response, do what God has called and commanded you to do. Jesus Christ is king over all kings, which means no one has the greater authority than Christ Jesus. And no one is more sovereign than Christ, which means it doesn't matter what others may say or what others may do. Our Savior God, Son of God, Jesus Christ, the King, is able to have the last word. He has the last move. And when things got dark between the intertestamental period, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, people were looking for a hope. God, our Savior, cut the sky and opened with a bright light so everyone would know that he's in control, that even in the midst of the dark night, he can shine a light of hope and glory for the world to see that Jesus, the Son of God, is king over all kings. I'm, I'm in the text. Because right there in the text, if you look at Ezekiel's prophecy, Ezekiel 37, verse 22, Ezekiel's prophecy declared, says the Lord, I will make them one nation in the land on the mountain of Israel, and one king shall be king over them all. And they shall be no longer two nations and no longer divided into two kingdoms. They shall not defile themselves anymore with the idols and their detestable things or with any of their transgressions. Look at the prophecy here. This is a messianic prophecy. But I... God says, will save them from all their backsliding in which they have sinned and will cleanse them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. When the Son of God is your king, that means he leads everything. He leads everything. He leads you into relationship with God. He leads you into godliness. And he declares his reign over your life. You want this kind of king because Ezekiel says he's a compassionate king. He's a king who will come and get in it with you, who will lead you out of whatever you're going through. He's the kind of king that is not far from you, but one who will get close up to you and welcome you to follow him. He's not like people who want you to prove that you ought to be in their presence. He's not like certain people where you have to do certain things in order for them to, to give you uh, any, any admonishment or, or favor. No, this king is a compassionate king who welcomes you to come just the way you are, and he wants to free you from a life of sin into a life of liberty in him. But I, he's the king. He's the king of all kings. But there's a question that is begging to be answered. Because when you realize Christ as king, then the revelation of his power as king is always evident in your life. When Paul was writing young Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 chapter, this is what he says of Christ. He says, at the proper time he was displayed, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen and can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. 
men. I, I love the way the Word of God reads because it reads as though it, it reads so that you know that this is not anyone else's decision. God has already been declared king, and it doesn't matter what anyone else says about it. There's just an amen to it. I hope you get this, that, that he is king. And when it's revealed to us that he's not only just any king, but he's a compassionate king who welcomes us to be a part of his kingdom when we trust in him, then it, it's a blessing to all of us because that means that he's in charge of what happens in your life. I hope you, I hope you get this, that in this Christmas season, we don't just celebrate a baby in a manger. We thank God that our Savior did come and he came in the person of a child, but he didn't remain a child. He came because he is king and he came to lead us into an experience of his kingdom that's greater than this earthly kingdom. That in this earthly kingdom there's worries and there's problems and there are trials, but in the heavenly kingdom where Christ is, there's one thing you know with certainty, there's peace. And this is what he offers to all of us who understand that he is the king of kings. He is our eternal king. He is king of all kings. Those facts remain true eternally. But the remainder of our time, there is that question I need to ask of you. That is, is he your king? So it's one, for, one thing for us to sing that he is king of kings. It's one thing for us to, to declare amongst people that he is Lord of lords. But when Christ is your king, that means your allegiance is to him. That before you have loyalty and allegiance to anyone else, your loyalty and your allegiance remains to God, And there's a reason why we ought to be faithful to the kingdom and the kingship of our Savior because no one has blessed us like Jesus has. No one else was willing to come and get into our situation like Jesus did. And as a king, he came in with all power, leading us to those who believe in him, were leading us out of darkness into his marvelous light that John 1, the first chapter says, to all who chose to believe in him, he gave them the right to become the children of God. Jesus, our Savior, Jesus the King, did that for you. Amen. Jesus the King did that for you, and he did that for me. Yeah. And that offer still remains if you choose to follow him as your it's a personal response. It's one, too, that was prophesied in the Old Testament that would be fulfilled in the New Testament. For in Zechariah, that Old Testament prophet, in the ninth chapter and the ninth verse, Zechariah declares what it should be the proper response to the king when he shows up. In Zechariah 9.9, he says, Rejoice greatly. O daughters of Zion, shout aloud, O daughters of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humbled and mounted on a donkey, on a coat, the foal of a donkey. That was the prophecy of Zechariah. And if you were there in the times of Christ when he walked on the earth there in Jerusalem, when everyone gathered, you realize that he was the fulfillment of the prophecy. For right there in John 12, it says the next day the large crowd had come 
to feast, and they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. And look at the response. So they took branches and palm trees and went out to meet Jesus, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. They recognized him as the king, as their king. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. Just as it is written, fear not, daughters of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a coat. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written in the Old Testament about him and had been done to him. Because when you recognize Jesus as king, there's only one right response. That's you rejoice. That, that when he is your king, that means, that means your hero has showed up. That means peace is here. That means salvation is available to you when Jesus shows up. That no matter what you're going through, when the king comes, everything changes. When Jesus comes, the, the atmosphere changes. The way you live your life changes. The way you interpret life changes because the king has arrived. And when we come to Christmas, that's what we celebrate. We celebrate that the king has arrived. And when you know he's arrived, you ought to rejoice. But it's a personal response. Because the question still remains, is he your king? It's a question that, that the pastor, S.M. Lockridge, preacher of old, raised to his congregation. Is Jesus your king? And I want you to hear how he describes the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And then I want you to answer in response whether or not he is indeed your king. Let us hear the clip from Esther the Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He 
heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him, for yet he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Terror couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! question remains, is he your king? You stand all over the building, for there is none like him. He's a promised redeemer. He's the king of all kings. And he wants you to know him as king. Because he has the power to transform lives. He, is a he has the power to speak into your very existence and change things. He's called the Prince of Peace because as King, he can give you peace that surpasses all understanding. And he welcomes you to come to him. So I want to ask our deacons, our prayer partners to come forth and that we celebrate him as king. We come to Christ as king. We recognize him to be our personal king. And I assure you, your, your life will never be the same. On this Sunday morning, I want to invite you to accept Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as your true king. That you will no longer make decisions for yourself. You'll take, get off the throne of your life and allow Christ to be the king of your life. That you trust his decisions for your life. His destiny for you. And you'll realize that he'll bless you with a life. Abundance. A life of abundance. Life of forgiveness. A life of hope. And a life of joy when you come to him. I invite you to accept Jesus Christ as your king on this Sunday morning. Second invitation I have for you is that 
to just, you just come to him. Whatever your burdens are, whatever your struggle is, as we sing together, you bring it to the king. Bring your prayers, bring your concerns to him. We are here to pray with you, to celebrate with you, because we know that our king cares for you. So I invite you to come. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforest.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.